0: Shalom, and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of our weekly Exploring the Parsha class with Rabbi Rebecca Schatz and Rabbi Matt Shapiro.
1: Okay, so we're going to talk about the Parsha, um, and we're going to look at a couple of verses towards the beginning, so I'll I'll give us the narrative context. I missed giving narrative context in Dvarim. Not much narrative. It's good to have narrative context again. Um, Avraham is uh, sitting outside hanging out and God appears to him. Avraham sees three men. He runs out. He's a fantastic host. He brings them water. He encourages uh, them to rest and recline. He says, I will get you uh, just a little snack. And they say, sure. He hustles in, he tells Sarah to, to whip up some grub, my interpretation, of course. Um, he goes out, he takes a calf, prepares it, and brings out a meal that, depending on your understanding of kashrut sequencing and how seriously we should take the rabbis about Abraham telepathically, knowing in advance what kashrut will be, serves them what sounds like a delicious and potentially trace meal. Um, they ask him, where is Sarah? He says, she's there in the tent. Um, now getting into the verses, we'll look a little more closely at. Um, he says, I will be back next year. I'll, I'll just, I'll quickly name that, that pronouns are interesting here. And scrolling back up for a second. Um, it It is just this, this dynamic between Vayera Elav Adonai, that God appeared to him and then seeing these men in front of him, and this dance of who's actually there—is it God? Is it men? Is it angels? Um, it's just interesting to track that um, over the course of the narrative. That that could be a point of focus in and of itself. Um, I'll, I'll name an interesting pronoun piece a bit later on. I'm just sort of naming that out. One says, "I'll return to you next year." Sarah will have a son, and Sarah was listening. And then sort of zooming out, the narrator reminds us, hey, Abraham and Sarah are are no spring chickens. They're getting a bit older. Um, and Sarah, right, Sarah's in menopause. She's gotten to a place where, where it seems pretty clear that this is not going to be a possibility for them. Okay. So now we're going to look at these verses a bit more carefully. Chapter 18, verses uh, 12 through 15. Right, Rabbi Schatz? Did I, do I have that correct? Are we on the same page about verses? Indeed. Oh. What a week. Fantastic.
2: That's only happened once, but I'm glad you check every time.
1: It's but it was funny enough to be revisited weekly.
2: Okay,
1: I don't know that it was funny. Okay. Hmm. I think it is. Sarah laughed at herself saying, haita li edna. Now that I am I don't know, where I, we can go with withered because it's an evocative word. Now that I'm withered, am I really gonna have this this pleasure, this enjoyment? and 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 Abraham's old too. Abraham. And now, now here is like what I just find so interesting in terms of who's hearing what and saying what to who. God says to Abraham, Why is Sarah laughing? Lymor. Why, why is why is she laughing and saying, umnam eled am I really going to be able to bear a child as old as I am?'" And I will call out here, these are not the same thing, right? What Sarah says and what God says to Abraham are different, right? Sarah is saying he's old, and God is telling Abraham, she's saying she's old. Is anything too wondrous, too impossible, too miraculous for God to achieve? I'll return to you at this fixed time. Uh, with a Sarah, then I will turn to you this same, same bat time, same bat channel. I think is the original Girsa, and Sarah will have a son.
2: Girsa means version. Mm-hmm.
1: But, thank you for explaining my
2: uh, I, we don't uh, use the word Girsa very often, that's true. so I wanted that's to true. explain what i You
1: I'm... are right as always, Rabbi Shots. Vat uh, Sarah Sarah then lied. And this is the first time this word shows up in the Torah, right? We've never seen this word before. Lo I didn't laugh. And then sort of narr- the narrator tells us, it seems, ki uh, yira'a, although maybe she's saying this out loud, I didn't laugh because I was frightened, or she says, I didn't laugh, and then parenthetically from the narrator, because I was frightened. And he said to her, lo ki tzachakt. Nope, You laughed so uh, I'll sort of provide the the gloss along the lines of of this bigger picture theme we've been bringing to this class, and then I'll turn it over to Rabbi Schatz to manage the cueshio to both on the verses themselves and on um sort of what what I'm offering up here <sighs> two two pieces on this: one, I think it's just generally interesting to think about truth, lies, white lies fibbing covering up right because there's sort of two instances of that in in these verses one is that sarah says one thing and god tells Avraham that she says another and then in verse 15 when sarah says i didn't laugh um and then and then getting called out on that lie so it so it happens twice but only one of them is sort of formally called attention to and noticed and i think any of us who have been in any relationship for any period of time um, have been confronted with the question, right, the classical example, of course, do I look fat in this dress, um, right, and, and, and the rabbis also, right? Or good rabbi- in
2: these pants. They're what? They don't have to be a dress.
1: Yes. Do I look good in these pants, do I look good in this toga do I look nice in this uh, drapery that I've repurposed as a I'm trying to be ecumenical that you want me I was to
2: trying be, to make the point that men can also ask the question and therefore most I do men I will, I will ask
1: impressed. Sarah how do I look in this outfit that's tricky that's that's, true. and she has told me no you got to go change correct Um well, there you go. But so I think that that's just an interesting question, particularly when we're in relationship, when we're in close relationship, whether with a significant other, a family member or a close friend, and someone asks you for your opinion and you have a sense of what might be a hurtful response to them. How do you respond? Um, and so I think it's interesting to take that perspective on this. And then one more piece that that I'll drill down on even further is what what motivates potentially telling uh, a a white lie or a half-truth. And we get a little perspective on that in verse 15, that Sarah Sarah says what she says because she's scared, right? Because, because she's uncomfortable. And so I'll, I'll also offer up the sort of question of when we are feeling scared, unsafe, uncertain, how does that impact our behavior in a way that we maybe wouldn't otherwise do, or at least noticing when we're feeling scared, unsafe, uncertain, and being mindful of the choices that we're making, um, less they sort of get, get away from us a bit in a way that later on we might regret. Just as a quick, quick stinger on this as well, um, I always think the end of verse 15 is very funny. Nope, you laughed, Right. Like what, what's that for? Right. It reminds me of interacting with my kids. Like, well, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. Like, what is, what is that? What does that do? Right. Uh, I noticed that impulse in myself. They're like, I never said that. I'm like, yeah, you did. What uh, What's, what's that for? Right. Like what's, what's calling attention to that, that really for, even if you know, you've caught someone saying something that isn't fully honest, what, what's, what's really the point of just going back and forth, right? How do you, how do you know when to just let it go? um so i'll 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 pause there That was there was a lot a lot to kind of toss in the hopper so i'll i will zoom out were you going to tell me to zoom out rabbi shots no no you weren't just when i, I think mean, you I'm
2: could getting... scroll up but you know well, but then... if
1: you want me to hear mm-hmm. there we go see i had to zoom out
2: okay great okay um okay any cushy out? renee I don't know if it's a kushiah
3: exactly, but with respect to what Rabbi um, Shapiro. Shapiro, thank you. <laughs> I haven't had my coffee yet. Was <laughs> saying, um, you know, between the white lie and the not white lie, there's also the issue of, I believe, the issue of um, embarrassing someone,
1: and yeah, that sure. that's
3: not one of the um, mitzvot or whatever that we're supposed to go by. Sure. So, and and I think that the laughing by Sarah. I I I wonder whether the laughing by Sarah wasn't so much um, her thinking that it was odd or whatever, but also that part of it had to do with the fact that she doesn't have blind faith in Hashem.
2: Yeah. I right. I think um, two great comments. I, I think that that one of the one of the aspects that you bring up about um, about the God piece is that we don't we don't necessarily know why she decided to have this reaction. It's also possible that she had a reaction on the outside that she didn't actually mean to have on the inside, um, that she showed something kind of outwardly that she wasn't actually feeling inwardly um, and vice versa the the word Bekirba literally means on her inner her inner self so that that also is a very interesting part of her relationship with God did God know that she laughed because God knows her inside thoughts and feelings or did she also laugh on the outside which is not what it says here in the Torah um and then the whole lie piece is is kind of an interesting way of translating that because if if it wasn't on the outside, did Abraham actually see it? And then can there actually be um judgment um made on, on that reaction? So very very interesting point. Uh Rebecca, Nancy, Denise.
4: Um so I, I I do have a question. Um and it's also related to what I saw in while while Rabbi Shapiro was was explaining the angle, I always try to think what what the angle is going to be. So I kind of yeah. Um uh what I don't understand is why so I understand in, in line thirteen that God says to Abraham, why did Sarah lay up? And he's continuing to talk to Abraham and saying, you know, God knows everything. So you know what what you know you she shouldn't be uh skeptical of this. Yeah. Then how does First of all, who is Sarah answering? Is she answering Abraham? So did Abraham you know, convey the message? Or was mm. she listening? And who, at the end of line 15, who answers and says actually you did laugh? you know? Right. Is that Abraham? Or is it God? That's not clear to me.
1: Ah, yeah. Rebecca, you spoiled my punchline.
4: Oh. Okay. The whole... The whole thing to me seems like uh why isn't God talking directly at her why yeah. what's that's what's sort of mentally bothering me,
2: yeah, great, and I think uh, I think that's that's some of what I was responding to with Renee also that maybe it doesn't need to be direct because in fact it's all an inward experience, which then gets to your question about the end of fifteen of who's actually who's actually responding to her is actually even more important because if it's Abraham, it must've been an outward reaction. Whereas if it's God, it could have been completely mental, spiritual, you know, internal um, feelings and expression. So beautiful. It sounds like Rabbi Shapiro has an answer for you. So we'll get back to you soon. Uh, Nancy.
4: (laughs) Okay. So I know there's this whole question of who's lying at what point, yeah. And all that. But Sarah really didn't say, Shall I in truth bear a child? Right? Like uh she says, I'm withered and I am I to have enjoyment. And enjoyment doesn't always lead to a child mm. um, using that euphemism. Um and so I just find that really interesting how it all gets turned kind of on its head.
2: Yeah, great. That's a it is a that's a very it's a very perceptive way of looking at these verses, and especially in terms of what Rabbi Shapiro, I think, started off by saying, in terms of the pronouns, right? It, it ends up everything kind of ends up a little bit more jumbled because we don't know who's saying what and how it's being said and what the connection is. And um, so, a, a lot of what of what you're bringing up, Nancy, also could have been helped along if we knew the the clarity of who's talking to who and what those actual relationships are in this in this particular scene. Denise.
0: So it says here that Sarah laughed to herself. Yeah, correct. She, so it's not like she's laughing out loud. She's like, she's having a personal thought. So why does God go telling Abraham about it? Like it doesn't <laughs> seem like such a godly thing to do. And especially right. that she did it internally and, yeah. you know, kind of, Is that going to help their marriage to say, hey, you know, your wife is laughing at the thought of, I mean, you know, that just doesn't, I don't get that.
2: Yeah, great. I, um, yes, I have a lot to say on that, that I will hold for later. But yes, great, great point. Um, God is reading her emails. Yeah, sure. Uh, Ty Um,
5: I wanted to ask, based on what Denise just said, do we know from the Hebrew that she laughed to herself without making a sound because sometimes you can be around other people and have an internal thought and either talk to yourself and you may actually say something. So there might've been something audible though. It's still that whole omniscient thing does it or does it not need to be audible. But I was just curious about the implications of the self reflexive Hebrew.
2: There is nothing that says that it's audible. In fact, it make the, the word bakhirba makes it seem as though it for sure was not audible. Um, though who knows? I, it, the, just the fact that it means kind of inside her, um, which, you know, most, to the most inward part of herself seems to be what it's saying. But, um, I Roshara and I talk about this a lot there are certain people in the world of which I am one of them um for whom they if and zoom actually taught me a lot about myself in this way uh so thank you pandemic i guess um that You might be thinking something, and if you're not focused on what you look like, it might be very apparent to the other people what you are thinking without you saying anything. Because there are certain people in the world whose faces are very dynamic in terms of their thoughts. Pros and cons to that, by the way. Um, I used to be in rabbinical school. I had a very close friend and... um, they would often say in class to me, Rebecca, your face. <laughs> because whether or not, you know, I was, I was agreeing with somebody or really disagreeing and annoyed by something, you could tell on my face without me saying anything. So it's possible that this is that kind of moment where she is expressing both what is happening on the inside, but it's apparent on the outside. Um, or that she just, laughed out loud right and and you were able to hear it even though it came from from her insides i have no
1: idea what that's like though i i am noted for my for my stoicism and my implacability it's it's usually very very difficult to tell what i'm thinking and feeling
3: sure
2: um so i it doesn't say in the hebrew what to distinguish between those two things to answer your actual question um but that's what it made me think of when I read through this that that you know the Sarah watch your face kind of experience um Rabbi Shapiro because you are so you you lack oh wow that was crazy um it just went away and I couldn't see you for a second uh you should speak because we can't tell what you are thinking because your face is not dynamic
1: or whatever. The undynamic faces would also be a good name for a rock band. Well, Denise, undynamic?
2: Is that a word? Undynamic? undynamic?
1: Undynamic faces. In case people on a podcast couldn't see it, Denise also suggested the Chewing Bananas as a as a rock band name, which would also be... Excellent. I got that gag, by the way, from Dave. B- Do people remember Dave Barry? Did people ever wait? Dave hold on, Barry? hold on,
2: Rabbi Shapiro. Yeah. Can, yeah. can we just continue on the topic of the parsha?
1: I am continuing on the parsha, but you, but I said on dynamic faces, and then we're talking about band names, and I then I get back to the parsha. We're good. I got it. We're good. <laughs> we're rolling. In case oh, people gosh. are wondering why I need a little time off. Okay, so a couple of, um, a couple of thoughts. I mean, Re- Rebecca to your point about the sort of pronoun ambiguity um, at the end of, of 15, right? I'll, we, we often talk in this class about how translation is inevitably interpretation, right? Um, and if you look, I'll, I'll pop it back up. If you look um, in the translation, it says, but he, capital H, did laugh. Right. Which seems to indicate for, for those who know, you know, un- understand what that means. God. Right. It, it seems clearly indicated in the translation, according to the JPS translation, that we should un- understand this as God. Um, but interestingly, the Haim, um offers, you know, offers up, Rebecca, to your point, um, this sense that it was um, that it was Avraham. And I'll just I'll just leave leave this up because I thought this was an interesting comment. The Torah affords us an insight into the psychology of a trusted servant who is reprimanded by his master. When said servant reflects on the enormity of his mistake, uh, this very denial is equivalent to an admission, but the servant lacks the moral courage to say so. It was Abraham who challenged Sarah by saying, No, but you did laugh. He wanted her to make a confession of having laughed. So I haven't been married for decades. But I've been married for a little while now, and I feel like if I. You've been
2: married for longer than a decade.
1: That's true, but not yet decades. And, and please, Lord, may we, may we keep, keep chugging along. Um, it's my, yeah. She, she, she bears much more of the burden on that than I do. Um, but I have a feeling if you know, Sarah indicated one thing and I knew it was actually another. And I said something to try to elicit a confession from her. I don't think we'd make it to the decades of marriage, right? I I, I don't think that that would necessarily go over particularly well, right? So, so either way, right? If it's God sort of hearing, talking to Abraham, and then Abraham says something to Sarah, that doesn't seem particularly healthy, nor does it seem particularly healthy if God says something, Sarah says something, God says something to Abraham, and then God sort of hops over to jump into correct Sarah, right? Either either way, it doesn't necessarily um, seem to be a particularly healthy dynamic. Um, and the thing that I thought of as folks were responding was this idea that, that people might have heard me um, name before, um, that there's this really really interesting book called god a biography by jack miles people have heard me mention this before yeah this idea that um the tanakh is actually a story with god as the protagonist um and that the the main narrative thread of the tanakh is god learning how to be in relationship with other people and so it's interesting to think about because we're still at the beginning right? Genesis after all, right? We're still at the beginning of God learning how to be in relationship with people. And this idea of triangulate, right? An unhealthy relationship pattern is triangulation, right? If I'm feeling frustrated about something with a friend and instead of going to that friend and saying it directly to them, but then instead I go to another friend and say, hey, can you get a load of what the schmo over here is doing? And then it gets to that friend. right? That's that's not a healthy relationship pattern, much healthier to be direct, right? As uncomfortable as that might be to find a way to say to the first party, hey, you did this thing. What's up with that? Can we talk through that a little bit, right? That's a much healthier relationship pattern instead of the the triangulation piece. There seems to be some triangulation here, right? There seems to be a sense that that nobody's really talking to each other directly, but I I, I do enjoy and appreciate this idea of we're still trying to figure out how this whole God interacting with humanity thing uh, kind of works. Um, and for me, at least, that helps um, offer up um, a framework for, for thinking about this. Um, so I don't know if people have responses to that, but I'll, I'll pause there for a sec. I'm glad to hear no one else triangulates in relationships. That's really good. So every, everyone here is a model of healthy relationships, which is wonderful to know. Yeah. Um,
5: but don't you think that sometimes to do it that way, you spare somebody embarrassment. If you ah. pick the right, I'm going to use the term Shalia, you pick the right person to get a message that
1: it won't embarrass them. Yeah.
5: Not suggesting that should happen with the
1: spouse. Right. <laughs> right yeah I, th- I think it's a good question i mean i think that's something that you know we were both kind of talking about talking about at the beginning of this is how how do you know when when is the right time for for sort of a white lie right the the rabbinic example is often given is is you know should you say to a bride sorry for the it's big... a keep
2: going
1: that's it you're not gonna keep going
2: it's
0: on
1: Usually it's me who bursts out in the song, but it's much better when you do it. Um, again, not to get lost in an overly gendered example, but the, the rabbis who were, you know, depending gendered. on <laughs> de- depending on the day, <laughs> slightly too extraordinarily misogynistic. Um, you know, the, the example that they go with is, is talking about this idea of, of, is every bride beautiful on her wedding day? right and shamai and hillel go back and forth on it and what they land on is that yeah that that you should say to every bride that she's beautiful on her wedding day which right, they don't plays... say
2: yes they just say that you should say to every bride that she's beautiful what the answer isn't yes every bride is beautiful on her wedding day the answer is yes you should tell her that she is beautiful.
1: yeah yeah, on yeah. Her exactly wedding. exactly so so to exactly to that point right that that even if i don't know as they say beauty is in the eye of the beholder and eh, but but whatever it is even if you don't think she is you should still say that right which which is an interesting piece to layer to layer on here as well and i think there are there are echoes of that um in this story which which is interesting right that this this idea of objectivity and truth and white lies and relationships um you know it's it's an interesting one, and and I think it also depends, right? Some people have more of a tolerance for direct honesty than others, right? I think part of it is also knowing the person you're in relationship with, um, you know. I I think I hope Rabbi Shatz can tell you if I'm wrong on this, because you know we spend a good amount of time chatting. I I, I like direct feedback, right? If I do something that stinks, please tell me. Because I might not like hearing it, but it also means I can learn. Right? There there is there is something about like I, I hate it when I hate it, but it's there there's a limit to, you know, if I ask for feedback. How is this program for you? Great. Uh, okay. okay. Well, like what did you like about right? <laughs> what was what was great about it? You know, it's it's helpful to get feedback specifically on what worked and and what didn't, right? Just um, just this past week, we finished uh, a cohort of, of the spiritual support groups that, that we've been rolling out here. Um, and I reached out to, to people for feedback. And I actually said directly in the email, your, your honesty is more important to me than my ego or feelings. Right. Like if, if there was something in this group that really worked, I'd love to hear it. And if there was something in this group that really didn't work, please tell me because I, I, I can't work to improve it. We can't work to improve it unless we know. And that's not how everyone operates and context matters. And if you really need a, a boost and you ask, hey, honey, how do I look today? And I hear back, you look like garbage. Go change your shirt. Your pants are dirty. And I think there's a hole in your shoe. Um, I'm probably not going to feel great. Right? Not that not that I've, I really need to go shoe shopping. I do have holes in one of my favorite pairs of shoes. It's one of the things I'm going to do when I'm off. But that's neither here nor there. Denise.
0: Well, it just occurred to me when you said um, that people have varying tolerance for for feedback. I think that goes for giving as well as receiving. Sure. Uh, and I'm, I'm just recently aware of this. I have a good friend who is very uncomfortable saying things to people, things that in my mind would be like, what is the big deal? But she'll just like stand there and blink and smile and like wait for you to guess, you know, so. I think it, it goes both ways. Like some people don't want to hear, but also some people just can't say things.
1: Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it can be uncomfortable to be honest, especially if you have a sense that something that you're about to say might, might hurt the other person. Right. Cause, cause honesty also involves me putting myself out there a little bit too. You know,
2: can I, can I bring us back to something that we talked about a few minutes ago?
1: You can bring us back to anything we talked about a few minutes ago.
2: Thank you. Can you share your screen um chapter 17 of Bereshit, verse 16? It's just mine's on the other monitor so.
1: You got it. Dude.
2: Um okay. So one of the things that I just looked up because I was I was pretty sure I was correct, but we are all capable of being incorrect. Um, it is interesting here that when when we find out first about Abraham and Sarah having a kid, it is through God to Abraham. And Abraham has the same response that Sarah does. Um, and yet there seems to be nothing wrong with that. Sarah, Sarah has the same response of laughing. If you look here at 16 and 17, you'll see that God says, you're going to call her Sarah, not Sarai, any longer. I'm going to give you a son. She's going to be the one to have the son. They already have Ishmael by Hagar. If you want to hear more about that, come to Shul tomorrow and hear Rabbi Klickfeld's sermon. Um, You're going to have a son through Sarah. She's going to be the mother of all these nations because um, because he's going to, he's going to continue that line. And then Abraham throws himself on his face and laughs. Um, and it's, inter- you can take it down now. It's just interesting to me that when we get to our verses, all of a sudden, whether or not she laughed out loud or not, all of a sudden, that's not an okay response. Um, and this response being, being made by Abraham is very connected To God, who is the messenger of that information. And the reason I thought of this is because one of the commentaries that I looked up kind of harkens back to this part of Torah and says, "Wait a second, why didn't Abraham just tell her the news when he heard it? Why why was there a gap in time there? What he had time to process it, but maybe th- going back to the to the relationship piece, maybe had Abraham been the one to tell Sarah, maybe that response would have been different coming from her. It seems to be that the response when you hear it from God tends to be one of like, are you kidding me? There's no way this is possible. And, and yet Abraham's is very physically outward and Sarah's seems to be at least inward. So I just wanted to bring that up because I think that that also shows a disparity in the in in the telling of the story, but also in the characters, in terms of how we relate to Abraham and to Sarah in hearing this news. Um, we kind of just gloss over Abraham hearing the news but but for Sarah, um, it becomes this huge moment of embarrassment and fear and um, yeah she's just degraded by her response. Um, okay. De- uh, Denise and then Renee.
0: It was a mistake. I was poking around on my screen.
2: Oh, okay. Well, p- poke around. Renee. Okay. That's fine. Renee's trying to poke around on her screen. There you go. Is that helpful?
3: <laughs> okay. So is okay. there any, sorry, my hands are wet, so it <laughs> wasn't okay. working on the computer.
2: Is there any what you connection? Ma- what- Renee, really, what
3: are you making? Kala? Uh, no. I already made Kala. I'm just making, uh, vegetables and farfalle and, sauteed spinach yeah um is there any connection between the fact that her name was changed from sarai to Sarah, like in the same couple sentences as when he tells her that she's gonna have a baby
2: no because he here is not where she's told she's gonna have a baby here is where abraham is told that she's gonna have a baby so the two are not connected yeah okay
1: good question though um, it's an. Int- I, I I hadn't noticed that. I mean, the the distinction between the two of them laughing is an interesting one. I hadn't I hadn't spotted that recently, and it it is really interesting to see. I mean, Rebecca commented in the chat. It seems like they're ganging up on her. Yeah, it 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 kind of does. It it's tough to. I mean, I I guess that they are different. Like he's outwardly expressive, and and she's keeping it more to herself. But you know. They're, they're pretty similar responses you know and, right
2: well and I guess I guess why it's it spoke to me so much is because I think that there are also ways in which the responses that people have can be the same, but given the context of where the response is or to whom it's in front of, it can be seen as very different. Um, and so one one person's response, to hearing very similar news. Though the response might be the same, it's, it could be felt differently or interpreted differently. And I think the fact that Abraham's was in front of God and Sarah's was in front maybe of nobody, but Sarah seems to be um, more in front of, I guess, her spouse. Um, Wait,
1: but you, w- wouldn't you think it'd be the opposite though? Right. Like if somebody, like if somebody came to you and to me and they told us something like, you know, pandemic's going to be over tomorrow. You'll never have to wear masks again. No more boots. Like, like something, something like amazing and, and seemingly like, okay, there's no way that's going to happen. And you laughed in their face. And I said, uh huh, sure. And I went behind my, uh, right, my office and sort of chuckled to myself. I would think that your response would be,
2: but that's not what's happening here.
1: A- Abraham left. What's right happening? What's it, happening
2: so- and we're going to use names because this will be easier for me to understand. I'm what's Matt happening Shapiro, here is Elon Spar right. is coming right. to Matt Shapiro yeah. and is saying, Matt Shapiro, the pandemic is going to be over tomorrow. Yeah. Right. And you start hysterically laughing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But then you come to me and you say, Rebecca...
1: The Rally pandemic shots. is,
2: shots. whatever, I called you Matt. Okay. The pandemic is going to be over tomorrow. And I have, whether or not it's the same outward response or inward response, I have, I have a similar reaction, but now it's to you. It's not to Elon. So th- that's different than the same person coming to both of us. Cause that's not what happens here.
1: Yes, but one is one is Abraham laughing directly in front of God, and one is Sarah laughing behind closed doors to herself. But no? I, yeah, right. So I'm just saying, like in terms of what, and Abraham isn't tisked, 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 tisk, tisked, tisked, scolded. Abraham isn't scolded. That was easier. Abraham isn't scolded, and and Sarah really is. Whereas yeah. I think a more public sort of dismissive ha I see what you're
2: saying. Got is it,
1: worse it. than, you know what I mean? you think it would be the opposite. Like, like you think, gotcha, what are you laughing at, man? And Sarah's so like, all right, at least she, she kept it to herself. You know what I mean? I do know
2: what
1: you mean. Yeah.
4: Nancy. So I think from the beginning of listening to this, what's made me most uncomfortable is that it makes it seem like your thoughts are as important as what your actions are. So like y- y- you have to censor your thoughts, right? Like that's really uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, and 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 maybe not censor them, but make sure, well, I guess this is a type of censorship, but make sure that they're not known on the outside or seen on the outside, um, yeah. I, that's a good
4: point. What
1: well, right? was that? Was it Jimmy? Is it Jimmy Carter? I've sin, sinned in my. What was it? lost it
4: in his heart.
1: Lost it in his heart. Yeah. yeah. A little before my time, but I know that that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, uh, Rebecca
4: and then Yeah. So first of all, the more the more we go over this, the worse I feel for Sarah, and also the less I understand why this. This is actually in there. What's the point? Why? And the only thing that is different from you know, what, what Rabbi Schatz said, that it matters sort of where you're doing, the context. And it may be because in this case, they had guests. So I'm mm. just, to you know, how um, you're supposed to behave differently when you have mm. guests. Interesting. Maybe that was abraham's angle there that you know at least keep a a straight face in front of these guests and we'll laugh later in front of ourselves and god so um.
2: interesting yeah i hadn't thought about that as the context i had thought about it more in terms of like the god abraham relationship versus the abraham sarah relationship but but that's also true I, i think when i think about this i i often think um does Abraham think that she's embarrassed by the fact that, that he is going to be able to provide her a child? And is he somehow then becoming self-conscious about his own age? Um, and to your point, Rebecca, then in front of other people, is he, is he being seen as old and decrepit? And how can my husband possibly give me a child? Um, I I don't read it that way, but I wonder if in her own psyche, right, if we're going into the psyche of a partnership, is she worried about burying a child, not just because of her own health and her own age, but also because of his, and does that make him embarrassed somehow? Um, yeah. Uh, Teibel and then Karen.
5: Um, I, because you just said something I wanted to add on. Avram was no spring chicken with Hagar either, right? Though sometimes a few incremental years matter more. But I wanted to go back to something else when you were using the word censorship or censor oneself. I think it was you or whoever. Sorry, I'm not doing okay. so well today. Um, ah, I saw Nancy's hand wave. Yeah. I'd like to maybe reframe that because, in a way, isn't The whole socialization process of human beings from toddlerhood on in a way of learning, and I'm going to use the word channel, though that's not maybe the best thing, but to channel behaviors and sometimes even thoughts in certain directions. And it's not so much censorship, which I think of as a negative, but more a positive that this is the way one should want to be, which is more like this and not like that.
2: Hmm. I don't know that I have a direct response to that. I I want to think about it, but um, yeah, I don't know. Rabbi Shapiro, do you have a response to that? No, I can't tell. You're thinking. We're just gonna mime the rest of class. Okay. Um, really, well, he's about, really
5: isn't he about to spend more time with with small people? Who? You said Rabbi Shapiro is going on vacation, right?
1: My kids are still going to be in school, so hopefully you never not spending the <laughs> Oh, <life>. never mind. <laughs> just
5: not going to I will be, be spending temple. less
1: time with small people. I'm,
2: Rabbi Shapiro is just not going to be a temple Betham, which is something that Rabbi Schatz is dealing more with than Rabbi Shapiro is dealing with. Um, but yeah, no, he will be you're spending less be time
1: fine. with you going to be fine. We're all, so. all fine. Everyone's fine.
2: Okay, Karen.
6: I have a few things to say. Great. <laughs> they may not all be connected or whatever. One. Wait right here. Okay. All shrinks no. Mm-hmm. feelings, thoughts are automatic. Behavior is a choice. Feelings
2: okay? and thoughts are automatic. Behavior is a choice. Is that right. what you're, you're
6: walking down the street. You see somebody, and you think, Oh, I don't. What is that dress? Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like mm-hmm. an autumn. Otherwise, you have nothing in your head. Mm-hmm. And so that's not the way it goes. Mm-hmm. But they're internal. <clears throat> When you're talking to God, maybe he's listening, she's listening, whoever they are. Fine, fine. But still, behavior is different from both of those things, feelings and thoughts. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's number one. Two, and the bigger question is, why are we bothering to talk so much about this? What is the point of this thing that God heard? That, I mean, somebody could say to me, you know what? When you go out on the porch tomorrow, there's going to be a million dollars there. And I go, <clears throat> yeah, uh, okay, great. I hope so. So what? So what? And that right. is up to you to tell me why we're spending time on who's laughing and why. And, and I, I don't really understand why this is. I'll, I'll
1: tell you what. I'll tell you what this So sporadic. what it is for me? Huh? I'll tell you what the so what it there's there's two so whats for me.
6: I could be really terrible by saying this. I just want to apologize. Just
1: saying. You said way more terrible things, and you've thought even worse. Um, for me, it, for me, it's twofold. I think Big God Dole, like in the big picture. It is interesting for me to, because I think it's a microcosm of exploring what, what I see as not necessarily a healthy relationship dynamic, right? In terms of the triangulation and in terms of directness and in terms of honesty, right? I think it's, a, it's sort of a, a jumping off point for thinking about what and say, what and how we say to who and being mindful of that and thinking about when that's healthy and when that's unhealthy. So on the macro, Right, like that's that that's kind of where my head's at. And I think that that's not an easy thing, and you know, worth exploring a bit. And and you know, zooming in a little bit more, I think it's interesting as well that specifically, and going back to to Nancy's point, and you know, this this idea of sort of and and Karen to your point as well in terms of what what's the role of really thinking about. How carefully I can actually monitor my thoughts and feelings, if you if you're hoping to be in a healthy relationship with with God, right? Again, this idea of, of building relationship with God and then potentially being censored for your thoughts and feelings, I think that's uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know. And so, like leaning into that discomfort and saying, "Hey, does this the, the what what is this what is this story pushing us to think about, and what's the pushback on that?" Um, And again, like not, not to, not to belabor the point, but this idea of, um, you know, God learning to be in relationship with people and us in turn, learning to be in relationship with God for for me, that's, that's an interesting node to linger on. Um, I have, I have, I have two, two quick things. I don't know if you have anything else. I'm going to say two things and then Rabbi Schatz is going to tie everything that was said today together. The first is just, again, I, I think people have heard me share this anecdote before about when I went on a meditation retreat and I was told to think about someone who I had no opinion about whatsoever. And I couldn't think of anyone, right? Like it was a, it was a compassion meditation. They were like, think of somebody who you really, really like and send them good vibes they said it nicer than that but it was like send them good vibes and it's like okay there's a couple of people who i really like And they're like okay think of somebody who you really don't like and i could think of a very long list of people and, and they said okay pick one from my heart just one and it's like okay and send them good vibes they're like sure and then they said okay now think of some have you never heard this story rabbi shantz rabbi shantz Love is having a comparison of them. there are a
2: few people i like and there's a very long to people I don't like.
1: I am the world's youngest cranky old Jewish.
2: Person. Oh, a hundred percent. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. debating. And and I, I, was just... I
1: my 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 life's goal is waiting for me. I'm like like God willing, forty five years. I'm gonna have like the big bushy eyebrows. I'm gonna be so good. God biserat hashem. I'm gonna be a fantastic cranky <laughs> old Jewish. Um, it's good to have goals. But then they said, you know think think of someone who you feel neutral about. And they said, you know, and look around and see because it was a silent retreat and there were people there who I didn't know. But every single person there I had formed some kind of opinion about, right? At, like for positive or negative, right? Karen, to your point about thoughts and feelings are automatic. And so then the question is, what, what do we do with those thoughts and feelings? I think is kind of the other invitation here is is what... When you have the thought, when you have the feeling, because we all have them all the time, right, what am I going to do with that? How am I going to respond rather than react? What am I going to do with the thoughts and feelings that arise to navigate the way I am in the world and my relationships in, in hopefully a slightly healthier way than I otherwise might, right? So that's one piece that comes to mind. And the other piece I'll offer up, I mean, it's, it's, it's all over the language, is I'm, I'm thinking about the idea of laughter here. And how laughter can be I, shocking. No one here. I enjoy laughing. Uh, I like, I like goofing around and being silly. I know this is really surprising for everyone to hear. Uh, I like comedy. I like to, to guffaw and chuckle and everything in between. Um, and laughter can be connective, um, and fun and meaningful, but laughter can also be harmful. Right, and and I'm still uncomfortable with the with the juxtaposition in terms of the narrative specifics of Abraham versus Sarah, and I do think there's something to to pull apart there a little bit in terms of thinking of laughter um, in a way that that builds up and connects, and laughter in a way that that can be destructive and tear down and 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 separate people. Um, so that that that's that's a um right Karen's point: laughing with or laughing at right um and so and so I think that that's that's slightly different topic for another time but but I just wanted to to surface that as well before we wrap up, which now rabbi shots will do seamlessly, poignantly, and meaningfully.
2: I was just gonna say that that the with the laughing with or at it's also something that even if you're laughing with <sighs> in terms of the audience, it might seem like you're laughing at um and so making sure that. That if you truly are laughing with, that it's kind of known. Um, so you're not hurting anybody around you. I this is, this is something that I don't think I've shared publicly, though it's not terrible. Um, on Naila, at Naila, not on, well, whatever. At the service we call Naila, there was a very large spider right above my head and um I pointed it out to Rabbi Klickfeld. I am not a person who enjoys spiders, and if they're far away, I don't care, but I, I didn't like the fact that it was a foot from my face, and I turned to Rabbi Klickfeld. I have no idea what we were adopting. It could have been the middle of the Amidon. I wouldn't have cared. I turned to him, and I said, there's a very big spider, and he looked at me And kind of like a dad capacity, not so much my senior (laughs) capacity and said, do we need to change spots? And I said, yes. Like, are you, are you joking? Of course we need to change spots. So we, so we switched. I don't know if it's really an arachnophobia, maybe. So we switched spots. And throughout the rest of the service, he and I were joking about this fighter and laughing. And the people on the Bima, I recognized later, could have thought that we were laughing about them. And I felt very badly about that. It obviously had nothing to do with them. In fact, I had absolutely no idea what we were doing. My I was completely lost. Um, but I do, I did feel badly that even though I was laughing with him about something, it could have seemed like I was laughing at another person. And so I apologize to the people who had no idea what I was talking about, but but I felt badly about it. That is one point. The second point is we didn't really talk about the lying piece so much, which is what I was really um, curious about. And so I'll just kind of wrap this all up by saying, I think that it's possible that Sarah actually did not realize that she left. that that her reaction on the inside was very different than what than what was on the outside of her, and that potentially what was seen or felt or heard was different than what she was actually feeling on, on the inside. And so it wasn't necessarily a lie, but more so she couldn't imagine that that's what was being expressed on the outside of her. And so I personally think that that this. That line deserves a lot of credit, um not because as some of the commentators say this means that a woman shouldn't be able to judge something. I think that's really ridiculous um but that this shows that that we can have we can have different. In terms of the way that we are projecting outwardly versus what's happening inside and that our heart could be breaking on the inside. But because we're trying to show compassion, we could have a smile on our face on the outside. And that's very different for people. And to be called out on that can be very hurtful. So that that was the piece that I was most... um. Compelled by, most taken with. Uh, so I hope that we can just, you know, enter Shabbat and enter the rest of this narrative of our of our patriarchs and matriarchs, recognizing that they were human, recognizing that there are ways in which they express themselves that we too express ourselves, and some of those ways are very hurtful, and some of those ways are very compassionate and healing and supportive. Um, and we should just all do a better job of checking ourselves. Uh, in terms of how we are presenting outwardly and uh, whether or not that's matching up with our inward thoughts and feelings.
0: You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am, Los Angeles, go to TBA. LA.org.